Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulihil ameen. Rabbishrah li sadri, wa yassir li amri wahlul uqtata min lisani yafqahun qawli. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Welcome all. You're listening to Hamza, Rahil and Shafiq. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Verbal Outpost, where we like to have an informal conversation about real topics. We'd also like you to take part to make sure you leave a comment or drop us an email on verbaloutpost at outlook.com and please share your thoughts. Now let's get straight into it. Today, we'll be talking about two topics, slightly different, bit of an overlap. First one, we've talked in previous weeks about religiousness, we've talked about Islamic religiousness, so in the first part we're going to talk a bit more about religiousness in the UK and we're going to reference the Ipsos Murray bit of research that we've looked at over the past couple of weeks. And secondly, and this is a little bit of a controversial one, time permitting, if we've got the time, we'll talk about cancel culture. What is it? And is it taking us into a positive or harmful direction? So time permitting, we'll cover that. Let's see how we get on, inshallah. Right then. So a few weeks ago, we talked about people having a natural affinity and Shafiq, when we talked about your show and we talked about friendship and we talked about having this natural affinity with others from a similar background, shared experiences, nationalities, um, whether it's cultural upbringing, interests, shared interests that we have and personality types as well. So are personalities similar? Is there some click? Yeah, do personalities click? Do two individuals click? And in the past couple of weeks, we've talked about the research from Ipsos Mori. And we talked about the Muslim population in the UK. And one thing that was very apparent, and I want to stress to anybody listening, is that we aren't a monolith. Unfortunately, you know, as a lot of people would believe, we are not all in one big WhatsApp group. And we aren't all related to one another. Okay, that's just not the case. We are very different in many different ways. There's many segments, there's many different demographics, lots of different categories and types of people within the Muslim community, you name it. Just as with pretty much any other community. And by that token, we all have different levels of religiosity as well. Okay. And just according to that bit of research from Ipsos Murray, there's one statistic that I want to pull out. And if you guys remember, we're talking about, I think it was around 55% of Muslims in the UK are somewhat religious and will uh, do some form of worship at least once a week. So that being Jummah as an example. So that was just over half the population. But I just want to flip that around and have a look at the other side. And there was 13% of the population that said they never participate in religious act, uh, events or attend religious activities. And that um, 
is all, not even on festivals either. Okay, so 13% of the Muslim population in the UK, according to the research, do not participate in religious uh, events or attend any religious activities at all. So they don't do it at all. And I just want to be clear, we're not calling anybody non-Muslim and you know, we're not doing anything silly like that, but let's just be realistic for a moment. We all form judgments and have perceptions um, about certain people. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit further. So in terms of that specific cohort, and this is my question for you guys, I just wanted to understand this a little bit more and see what you guys think. In terms of the specific cohort, so that 13%, and to be honest, probably even a smaller percentage of that within that 13%, who would class themselves as Muslim in belief, but not necessarily in identity or any actions. So what I mean by this, just to be clear on definitions, so if we're talking about from a market research perspective, we're talking about a population who um, would say that they're Muslim, but are not practicing it in any way, shape or form, uh, do not really abide by any of the rules, um, the halal and the haram, um, yeah, they, they don't really stick to any of that. Um, do you have, so my question is, do you have personally, and again, this is just purely opinion, okay, just purely opinion, we're not sort of generalizing or saying this is fact, it's just purely opinion. Would you say that you have a religious affinity with people from that particular cohort on a religious basis? So just purely from a religious perspective, do you feel like you have an affinity with with that particular cohort? I think for me, it depends on what other characteristics uh, and I guess the word features for lack of a better word, they would bring to you know the relationship between me and that person. Um, you know, I what characteristics do they hold? What do they do in terms of socialising activities and things like that? Um, fair enough, they might not be, um, you know, doing anything on the practising of Islam side of things, but it would also depend on what they are doing other than that as well for me. Yeah, I mean, I would um, agree, to be honest with that. I mean, I think with Muslims, sometimes we hold them to sort of like a higher platform, though, when we see someone being a Muslim, and they're not maybe practicing or doing all those things, you might think, oh, okay, why, why aren't they? But they could be a very good person. And you just think, oh, it's a shame that you're not really practicing the faith. Um, but, you know, if there are, you know, things that we have in common, um, there's no, I don't see any issue with being around those people to be honest okay okay and and and, and just to be clear i mean it's not about having an issue or uh, um with being around those people i mean i would have been a little bit upset um if you guys would have had an issue with that um so that's fine that doesn't that's kind of what i expected but if we just dial it down a tiny bit in terms of definition if we say um these are people that uh, apart from a Muslim name, there's absolutely nothing else Muslim about them. I understand there's a personality type thing, and I did mention a number of other factors, but if we just focus specifically on the religious side of it, so that religious affinity that you would have. Um, we talked a couple of weeks ago about being at the mosque, and then there's a number of other factors, but there is that religious affinity. So you may not necessarily 
um, click with personality and a lot of other things, but there is that religious affinity we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm. So specifically that bit, specifically that bit there, what does that look like? I think for me, if if they've if they're not practicing in any way, shape, or form, and, and you, you mentioned, you know, even to the extent of um, joining with religious festivities, and I guess that would be Eid, you know, and such type dates, um, then they naturally cannot be any religious affinity because there's that's lack and absence from the other person, and uh, you know, you'd only ever have that person to person relationship rather than any form of religious affinity again purely because of the absence of it yeah i mean if there's no you know if that person isn't religious you're not going to be able to relate to them and really on that basis and i mean personally uh, based on my experience and the people i've known it hasn't really always been a religious thing some of my closest friends and everything like that it's based on their personality rather than how religious that person is um I mean, you, I've got a mixed bag of friends, you know, some are really religious, some aren't, you know, sort of in between, but it's their personality that I'm drawn to. And I'd like to think the people that I keep close to me, you know, they're all good people. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, okay, good. And then in terms of if we move on to the next cohort, actually, there's another cohort that I wanted to cover off as well. Um, it's interesting, there was a video of an imam from Birmingham, and I remember this, where he talks about drug dealers, some Muslim drug dealers, and he stresses that the Muslim community and the masajid should not even pray janazah over them because of the fitna that they've caused within communities. And just to be clear, that's drug dealers that have not repented, that have not repented. So, yeah, there's been a couple of incidents up north um, where drug dealers have been involved in, uh, yeah, have, have been killed during drug turf wars. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that, so I'm not endorsing that in any way, shape or form, but it's an opinion that somebody has expressed, um, an imam from Birmingham. Um, you, you can search it up on YouTube. So what about those people within our community what let me be a little bit blunt here what advice would you offer those people within our community that openly do haram um and also illegal things so yeah people like drug dealers what's what's your perception towards them because i i wonder whether we've yeah in the past few weeks we've talked about we've and, you know, about a month ago, my last show as well talked about actually as we've aged a little bit, we've mature, matured in our thinking and been a little bit more lenient with people trying to make an effort. But what about those people that actually aren't really making an effort, are still Muslim, but are actually doing quite some horrible things? I think for me, I mean, I mean, I'm just kind of picturing a bit of a progress bar, if you like. So you'd have zero progress in the middle all the way up to 100 so you know you're doing everything you can to be as good of a muslim as you can um the, pe the people i believe you described initially would be at zero where they're not doing anything in terms of practicing islam but they do uh, you know how hold that faith to islam you know i believe in allah i believe in islam but i don't do anything about it 
So they would, I guess, if we're talking about a bit of a, a numerical value, they will be at zero. But now I think we're talking about people who have effectively gone backwards to towards minus 100. <laughs> so they've gone the other way. They've gone the opposite direction. Um, so this is not just, I'm not doing anything good. I mean, you, 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 I think we've touched upon this once before where people say, okay, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm still a good person. So it shouldn't be an issue. We, we, we've heard these comments before, I'm sure. But now we're obviously we're talking specifically about people who are doing bad. And I think if, if we were to give advice, we have, I believe it's your question, then really is why are you on the one hand claiming and saying you are Muslim, but then everything you do and say is contrary to that? How do the two go hand in hand? Um, and effectively, the two, if you put them in the same picture, it becomes a bit of an oxymoron. They're just completely contradicting one another. Can I just check with you? Because that's very interesting. So you've got these numerical values and a bit of a spectrum developing here. So you said people, um, so in terms of religiousness, you've is it going from 100 to minus 100, the scale? Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, just as, as, a, as a very simple diagram. Yeah, yeah. So you've got from the, in the middle, you've got zero. On the right, you've got 100. And then on the left, you've got minus 100. Mm -hmm. that, that's just the very basic bar, I guess, if you like, of, of where somebody might place themselves. And then... Here's a, bit, here's a bit of a controversial one. So, I mean, in, in, in ter and again, I mean, we're not saying anybody's out, outside of the fold of Islam, but in terms mm. of being as closest to leaving Islam, would you say it's the minus 100 or would you say it's sort of zero? I think that definitely the minus 100s are very on the, on the borderline um, because, as I say, not only are they on the one hand saying they're Muslim, which fine, fair enough. Uh, I'm not going to dispute that. But everything you do and say literally goes against that. It, it, and that's the issue. Um, you know, if somebody believed in something, why would you not? Uh, why would you go against that? It is, is the question that they really need to ask themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I'm not it's difficult you know when you look at someone from the outside and you see okay the drug dealers or whatnot unless you really personally know them it's quite difficult to make a because of what we're doing now is making a judgment about drug dealers you know they're causing harm to society and we're not in their position we don't really know what they've been to what the what they've been through sorry and what they've been influenced by and maybe it's you know we've had a much easier life whereas for them they ha <clears throat> they haven't maybe they haven't had a stable family and maybe they haven't had the right people in their life to sort of influence them and point them in the right direction you know imams are obviously it's their job you know within the community to continue to try to bring people to islam but they can't always relate to the average joe on the street you know what i mean that kid who's the drug dealer in the corner imam goes up to him he won't be able to relate to him you need a particular type of skill to be able to talk to people and relate to people and I feel like some imams are just out of touch and this particular imam you mentioned um, who was saying look you shouldn't even do janazah on these people is like I don't know I mean I'm, we're not scholars here um, 
this person's obviously made mm. has this opinion based on whatever evidence is you know and his studies that he's done or whoever he's consulted with but my personal opinion is I think that's wrong I don't think you should be able to regardless of how much harm um, they've caused society if that particular person still identifies as a Muslim whether they're practicing the faith or not um, obviously they might be sincere and the whole repentance thing as well is like yeah they've never re repented how you know people repent in their bedrooms people repent in their last breath do you I mean how would you sort of know that person hasn't repented before they died um, I think it's quite difficult for someone to just say look don't do janaz on that person because of yeah. they're a drug dealer but just to follow up on that sorry um you mentioned that obviously people can repent and, and therefore we and again i'm not saying we should or shouldn't do janaz on anybody here just to clarify but the point you're making is they could repent and therefore uh, you know allah accepts that repentance and they are within the folds of islam and therefore we should do janaza surely the same principle applies to every non-Muslim on their very last breath they could to have a literal genuine turn of heart and become Muslim mm. but if we don't know about it then naturally we're not going to do janaza on that person are we because we didn't know about their Islam yeah and I think that's a very good point actually um I, I, what I wanted to do and what I was quite keen to do was just ground some of our conversations in re in a bit more reality we've talked about in the past in, in previous weeks that actually we should be much more lenient with people much more considerate so that's all fine that goes without saying and i understand there's going to be lots of different circumstances but if we just just make a judgment just our own personal judgment again we're not enforcing our opinions and we're definitely i'm definitely i hope nobody here is saying that we shouldn't preach in us um but this is just a perception in our head and definitely in my head it can it can change um that opinion um but um yes yeah, so in in terms of grounding the conversation in reality what perception do you have about these people because i think i would probably take it a little bit further and say yeah actually these people have caused quite significant harm in the community yeah, Shafiq, there is an argument that actually their circumstances, and we did talk about this a few weeks ago, their circumstances have caused them to be like this. But actually, let's look at the flip side. Everybody's responsible for their own actions, right? You get to a certain age and you're responsible for your own, own actions, and that cannot be used as an excuse to absolve yourself of making any mistakes, that you are accountable for your own actions and what you do. Um, and in terms of repentance on your deathbed as well, again, I mean, usually would say that's that's fine. We can't judge another person. That's between them and their Lord. But if we assume, like Raheel said, that actually the basic assumption is that if they died on their way to picking up drugs for their next you know, deal that was going down, um, we assume they didn't repent. <laughs> just based on that, based on some common sense facts. It's, it's the outwardly vi that's visible, isn't it? We don't know what's going on inside somebody's heart that's between them and Allah, isn't it? And and just because somebody is in that negative 100s area, as, as I guess I described, it doesn't mean they have to continue on that path. You know, like, like Hamza mentioned, we're all adults. Um, we, we make choices in life. Yes, we may have had a, you know, a bad start to life, as Shafiq mentioned, but 
is that really an excuse to continue that way? Because you know, if we take drug dealing for example as an example, uh, I'm pretty sure if, if you're doing it for a couple of years, you're going to surely make enough money to kind of say, right, I've made enough to get out of this life. Now I'm making an active choice to continue or discontinue. Surely, it's not that easy. I, I don't know. I, I I feel like you guys are really simplifying things. Oh yeah, it's just you know you're a drug dealer. You made enough money. That's it. You can just kick kick a habit. I mean, these drug dealers are probably drug addicts as well. And you know, if you're addicted to something, it's not easy for you to just get help and get but, off it there's so many people that you know struggle then, with that okay. and the if whole money and the, about... and the money side of things maybe they just struggle maybe their education isn't good getting employment you know getting those opportunities i don't know i just feel like it's being really simplified and it's not it's a really complicated issue okay but now yeah. you just mentioned about people who might be addicted to drugs mm. that effect, to me i guess that would fall under the the side of things that they don't have um sound of mind because of the influence that they're under, and therefore, surely, perhaps the pen is lifted, as Allah says. You know, they, they, their account perhaps might be paused because they have no um, conscious yeah. mind. How do you know these drug dealers Allah, Allah aren't, aren't the, the, all addicts? Yeah. <laughs> and then their pen has been lifted on all of them for all you know. Uh, but the, the argument counter to that, really, Shaf, is if somebody's actively going out and selling it. And we're not talking about just buyers now, we're talking about sellers. They're forming a business and they're going out and actively looking for customers. That's my understanding of what Hunza's yeah. question is. It, it is. I think let's just be realistic for a moment, right? Because um, we've all seen, I'm sure all of us have seen drug dealers or things associated with drugs happening in wherever just out and about something just looks a little bit fishy and I get you can use some arguments if you know some of them personally okay and that's all well and good that's all positive but there's still people um, dealing drugs and you they can't be absolved you can't shift that responsibility okay we're grown adults if it's a child you know, if it's a thir 12 13 year old mm. we can say actually they've been groomed into it Right, they're not able to determine what is right, wrong, what's good, what's bad. They could have been groomed into it, but come on, yeah, these are grown adults, men, women who deal in drugs. Okay, just taking that example. So actually, I would be quite harsh with them and say, just the default position is that no, we aren't. We don't make any excuses for them. Is what I would say. Is that actually we should take quite a harsh line with them. What would the harsh line be, though? Because obviously this particular imam is saying, don't do janaz on them. And obviously you're saying you should be harsh with these people. Now, what no, is no, that? No, 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 but, no it's, but what I'm saying is, what is that accountability now? Um, it, does the community decide that, hold on, if a particular person is not acting very Islamic, that they'll be held accountable and these are the particular things that will happen to them? No, no, so, hold on, let's just be clear. So we're not talking, by harsh line, I'm not saying we go out and do any sort of vigilantism or... Yeah, go chasing after him or anything silly like that. I don't think that would work anyway. But um, again, remember, we're talking about perception here. Right, I'll tell you what we'll do. I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll continue the conversation um, after the break, inshallah. Right, it's been great. Uh, we'll continue it. Um, so don't go anywhere. You've been listening to the Verbal Outpost. We've been talking, well, we're talking about the way we perceive drug dealers at the moment, which is interesting. So don't go anywhere. Stay with us. 
and we'll carry on talking about that in the next segment, inshallah. Okay, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. <laughs>